0: This show is brought to you by The
1: Makery, the podcast network for makers. Hey, and welcome to the Young Makers Podcast. I'm your host, Kenzie Aaron of Aaron Iron and Steel. With me in the studio today is Samuel Smith, his uh, previous guest of the show, on for round two. So let's get right into it. This is going to be a little bit of a different episode than usual. Um, Instead of the usual, you know, interview format that I like to do, we're going to pick a topic and we're going to discuss it in depth. We're going to get grimy, get detailed with it. And today we're going to be talking about tools. You know, if I was uh, Jeremy from Simple Little Life, who has a podcast on The Makery coming out the same day as us, you should check it out, Simple Little Life podcast. But... If I was him, I would call this Tool Time Tuesday, but I'm not, so we're going to call it Tool Talk. So Sam, what's up?
0: Hey man, it's nice to be back, excited to talk about some tools, my, my favorite topic.
1: Everyone's favorite topic. So it's been a quite a while since you've been on, do you want to just uh, give the listeners a little bit of insight into who you are?
0: Yeah man, uh, my name's Samuel Smith. Uh, I kind of do a bunch of things, but my main thing right now is pottery. Uh, The last episode, I talked about wanting to get a kiln, and I finally got that in a few months ago. Uh, Two grand, so it was was pretty much a pretty big um, investment. But, yeah, really, really going in on that pottery recently. But,
1: yeah. Yeah, well, it's beautiful stuff. I've been watching your Instagram. Thank you yours is one of my favorite pages too I, I want to get some of your stuff soon
0: yeah I'm, I'm pretty excited there's actually a kill mode going right now I think we're about uh, 1500 degrees so we're getting there
1: oh yeah so uh, I assume that's what's been going on in your shop the past week what have you been, what have you been loading up in there
0: oh yeah I've been uh, in the new year I focused on completely like reworking my whole shop so I made a huge new middle workbench the, just the center of my shop just to condense everything and I love that and I've just been making a ton of vases really been working on trying to, you know, film my process learn how to edit stuff like that trying to like build social media which is very difficult but um, yeah, pretty much vases right now I'm really enjoying just like the crazy forms that you can get with vases instead of like a mug awesome
1: yeah, I bet you that is a little bit more free, because I mean yeah. it just has to have a hole in the top, right yeah you you can get thing I really like about making in
0: general, but specifically pottery is like you can get just like into really weird untraditional kind of places if you just kind of focus on your own style and don't really look at what other people are doing,
1: yeah, and I feel like pottery definitely is a little more fluid and uh and creative than. Well, especially knives. I mean, artist blacksmithing, you can get into quite a bit of funky stuff, but knives are so deeply rooted in function that it's really hard to get, um, you know, so artistic with it.
0: I think knife making is, like, just kind of artistic in itself because it's, you're right, it's so functional. Like, there's so many things that have to come together. Like, the handle has to fit right. Your, Your bevels have to be perfect. Everything has to be aligned with each other in order to serve a function. Whereas like with pottery, it's kind of like, it's all, you know, it's, it's one medium, right? You just have the clay, but then with knife making, you know, you have like the steel, the bronze, the wood, just all of that coming together is just really, really difficult to do. So I think it is an art in itself.
1: Yeah, for sure. Well, yeah. And I feel like lots of knives are art. Um, Like my knives, I don't know if I'd call them art just because of how, you know, simple they are. But there's definitely a lot of, a lot that goes into making something appear simple, you know. Mm. But yeah, I mean, knives, knives are kind of the whole own thing in the, in the world of art or craft or whatever you're doing. Knives don't, they're they're kind of the ugly duckling. eh? They don't fit in anywhere, but I like it. But I definitely want to get into trying some more stuff. I've got art class next, uh, we're on a quarter system right now, so next quarter, and apparently we do get to do some pottery throwing at the end of the year. So I'm really excited to try that. I'm in stained glass class right now, so, and I love doing stained glass too, that's really fun. Yeah, man, it's a a good time. I really do like
0: kind of exploring different things like that, but it's, it's it's interesting like with, with people that do a lot of making in general like especially young people because it's we're kind of open i feel like we're open to the learning process where somebody could try something like metalworking, you know not produce (laughs) something good and just get really frustrated because you know it is frustrating but when you have like the mindset that a lot of makers have that they just want to like understand the material and make something you know artistic i think it just makes the whole learning process You know, picking all these different things up, just so incredible.
1: Yeah, for sure. Learning the second thing is a lot easier. You know, the first, like, yeah, learning to make something is so difficult Yeah. because there's so many different nuances and things that go into it. And so, yeah, once you understand one thing, it definitely makes a huge difference. Like, I'm known as being that kid that's just stupid good at grinding the pieces for stained glass. Um, And it's, yeah, it's just because I sit there and, you know, I can fit up a handle. I'll spend a whole day sometimes fitting up, you know, the bolster to the handle and whatever other pieces that go into it. So then grinding two pieces of glass to fit each other is second nature. You mm-hmm. know, but most other kids end up with some pretty big gaps and whatnot. And it's hard to be humble. <laughs> <laughs> Not to but, flex or anything. Uh, yeah. But... I'm definitely the best. Just just want to put it out there real <laughs> quick for all you to know. But anyways, uh, in my own shop lately, I've been, you know, pushing out knives. Um, I've definitely hit a style, and I'm really sticking to it lately. Lots of Brut de Forge kitchen knives, 7-8 inch. Um, lots of octagonal handles. I'm starting to get into some simple Western style handles, but still all hidden tang. So I'm really really trying to focus myself on, uh, you know, perfecting one type of knife. And I'm just pushing, pushing, pushing to try to get that as good as I can before I start to branch out into other things. And it's really paying off. Uh, I'm starting to develop processes in my shop that are coming in and streamlining the process. And I'm understanding what I'm looking for in my knives more. Um, And lately, you know, I've got the grinding down pretty good, but I think the next couple knives, what I'm really thinking about is I want to forge a lot thinner. You know, brute to forge, obviously your spine has to be at thickness, but I've usually been just getting the spine to thickness, and then, you know, my edge might be thicker than the spine, and then I'll just grind that down. But now I want to forge a bevel into the knife all the way to where I want it so that when I grind, I can do um, like a shorter bevel. You know, instead of bringing up the bevel two-thirds up the knife, I want to bring it one-third or halfway up the knife and leave more forged finish on there and get everything finer. I'm really looking for this level of finesse in my knives right now. And it's proving to be a serious challenge. They all keep coming out looking like the last one, and I can't seem to make that next push in quality, you know? Mm -hmm. Like, last March, I got my first order, and that knife was a major just a huge jump in quality from anything i'd ever made before. And then i've been making stuff, you know, gradually and slowly getting a little better each knife, but i've sort of hit a plateau. And yeah, i'm really struggling to push myself over that plateau, but you know, we'll we'll get there. We'll get there.
0: Yeah, man, it's um it's definitely hard like the perfection that comes with it because when we make stuff it's just so you just want it to be the absolute best that it can even if like your skills aren't there yet and so i mean with me like with pottery i see all these things because i'm relatively new at it and it's just pushing yourself to get to that point is so difficult but it is so rewarding and there's this uh there's this idea that i found really helpful um by seth godin it's one of my favorite authors and he calls it the dip and it's similar to that plateau you were talking about it's like when creative people you know Push really, really hard trying to get better. They end up kind of, it's like this graph that they get really, really good and then they kind of plateau out a little bit. And that plateau is called the dip. And you kind of have to just push through it and just like really, really just grind, do your best consistently. Don't lose the, you know, the want of making it perfect. And then eventually, you know, that'll pay off in the end. And that's something I have to tell myself all the time when I'm just spending so long on just like the little details is that, like,
1: I'm aiming for the perfection.
0: So it's, yeah, it's
1: interesting trying to get there. Uh, Yeah, I mean, that I don't know if that was a quote exactly, but, yeah, that made me smile for sure. That's exactly, I think you're exactly right. And, you know, it's the exact same thing people talk about with working out. I don't know how many people listening are, you know, fitness buffs, but apparently you work out, work out for months or whatever, and you're getting bigger muscles or you're running faster or whatever and then your body hits a point where it's like yeah all right this is this is where i want to be like this is you know this is as good as your body wants to be and then that's the plateau and so you have to yeah push to that next level and that's the hardest point and so i think i've just hit that plateau with my knives and so yeah you're 100 percent right we just got to keep pushing
0: Mm-hmm. and it's but oh no you go, go ahead.
1: ahead no my, my you you first
0: yeah, what you were talking about with, um, you know, you're having to push, like with fitness and stuff, it's, I really try to incorporate that, like, you know, the dip, like being mindful of it, but also trying to set systems instead of goals. So it's like every day I tell myself that I have to be in my shop making something, producing something, even if it doesn't come out right, as long as I'm practicing, that's the system that I have. And you know, eventually over the long term that's going to pay off because it's so easy to go in, you know, try to make something, it doesn't turn out good, you get discouraged, and then you don't go into the shop for a week. And then you go back when you're feeling, like, you know, passionate about it. But then your skills aren't where they would be if you just consistently practice, right? Hmm. So it's like this thing I have to keep on telling myself to kind of, like, beat the resistance to just go in my shop, don't really think about it, just try to do the best I can. And it's just, it's really difficult, but I feel like it's applying to so many things just outside of my life too, like outside of my uh, creative work too.
1: Yeah. So, yeah. Well, making, you know, an art and whatever is a philosophy for sure. And so once your mind is part of that, I mean, it affects everything. Mm-hmm. And I like what you say about, yeah, not getting discouraged and coming back. Cause I used to do that all the time when I first got into it, um, Pardon me. You break a you break a handle and you have yeah, you just don't want to you don't want to work anymore. And the way that I kind of get over that now is and obviously in pottery you you're not just working on one pot at a, you know at a time, but I've started having multiple knives and projects on the go at once. So when something breaks and I really don't feel motivated to work on it, I just go and work on something else for a week. And that's really helped me a lot because I always have something that I'm excited about going on hey man that's that's good to have for sure and it's it's it's
0: uh i think really this like resistance that comes with any creative thing i think it's really like corrosive because i started blacksmithing uh in 2014 i think so a long time ago and i would practice just so much every single day but i didn't really see my skills coming out like i would see you know like Alex Steele on YouTube, stuff like that. And so I just kind of like put it down for like a solid year and a half. And it's just like, was not very good for me because I always wanted that creative output, but I was too worried about the outcome. But just, you know, finally getting into some other things like I did working for a while and I came back to blacksmithing and welding and pottery now. And it's just like, really taught me a lot about not worrying about the goal, but just focusing on the system. And it's just, so something that's just been very helpful in that whole
1: process. Ah, that's a, that's a really great sentiment, yeah. See, this is, you people listening right now wondering why I picked Sam Smith to be the first person <laughs> to come back on? This is why. Like, we got a wise kid in the building right here. Well, not in the building. Well, I assume you're in the building. <laughs> Regardless, um, <laughs> the only other thing I've been doing this week is last night I tried shopping. And I needed 532 by 2 inch bar of 1084. That's, I mean, come on, that's the most basic knife stock ever, right? And I can't find it at all. Like, I've checked six different knife suppliers, and I can't find a single bar of that dimension. Then I try to find Norax belts... Which that's the only Norton belt I use anymore. I actually use all v s m everything else right now, but i'll I'll get into that, but I wanted some Norax belts for the finishing, and again I, like they don't have the grits I want. I want what is it a four hundred and a seven hundred grit equivalent, and they don't have any anywhere and oh man i was I was mad like I gave up um but I guess I'm just gonna have to make do I'll test out some some trizac belts and i will um buy an extra thick you know steel but yeah that was that was really frustrating i don't know why there's a knife making supply storage shortage but anyways just i just had to vent that because no (laughs) one else you you guys know how this how bad this sucks but no one else i've vented to has seemed to understand Um, yeah it's it's
0: a it's it's really hard when you can't like, when you have, like, the like the the um, motivation, like, the passion to do something and you, like, see it in your mind, you just, like, try to find what you need for it and just nothing. Can't find anything. Yeah. Definitely know how that feels. Whew,
1: it's tough. But, yeah, I'll just have to, I'll have to make do. But while I'm talking about trying to find belts, I guess I should try to talk about it. I've recently been, you know, sort of a loose sponsorship with VSM Abrasives, so they sent me some stuff to try out. I've been working with them and they are incredible so Norton is sort of been the industry standard since the beginning of custom knife making I mean they're an old brand like they've been making this stuff for a long time and everybody knows Norton you know the blaze belts are the industry standard that everyone compares whatever combat or 3M belts you may have it's all compared to Norton that's the gold standard and I switched to VSM recently, and they're better. Like, I've got to hand it to VSM. I was was surprised myself. But they are... They cut smoother, so you're not having that friction pulling down the knife. It's just cutting clean. They cut faster. And my 60-grit VSM ceramic belt, after two knives, feels the same to my finger as a fresh Norton 60. So they're... You know, I haven't used them on more than two... Knives, but they still feel fantastically sharp, and I've noticeably shorter grinding times. So those these VSM ceramic belts are incredible. Then even more recently, I've gotten their Illumeron belts, which are their you know higher polish belts, and they're this really weird. They almost feel like cork, but they're clearly uh, man-made abrasive. And I thought I honestly thought they'd be awful when I looked at them, because they're not like a structured abrasive, but they go to such a high polish. And they don't build up very much heat. They cut super clean and easy and quickly. And I'm super excited to get into testing out more Illumeron belts because they're really impressing me. I, I I can't give them a proper review, but I'm super excited about those. The ceramics are amazing. And VSM also makes 9x11 sanding sheets, which I didn't even know. I've never seen them anywhere. But they're awesome. So I will put some links in the description of this, you know, the show notes of this episode. Uh, If you're interested, look for VSM. They sell them at Canadian Forge and Farrier, Maritime Knife Supply, and a few others. Or you can contact at grit underscore side underscore out on Instagram and he'll give you all the information. He's their sales rep. So thank you, VSM, for helping the show and for making the best belts I've ever used. So
0: Yeah, man, there, there, there's few things that are as satisfying as cutting through a knife with like a fresh belt. It's, oh, just,
1: yeah. it's just incredible yeah for sure oh and they're actually cheaper than the norton blaze belts i've used too which you know i thought they were cheap belts but they're not anyways yeah so no it's definitely satisfying and you can't cheap out on your abrasives Mm -hmm. like once when it's dead it's dead no matter how hard it is to throw away
0: yeah that's something that i'm coming to learning the lesson over and over again is that i just need to really curb me shorting out like cheaping out on stuff because I always want to find you know the deal, and then I just get something that is just like of lower quality. So I just need to
1: start buying like supplies that are just
0: better, even though they're more expensive.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's always worth it. But well, especially when you're starting, it's super hard to mm-hmm. bring up the original capital to you know invest in these higher quality materials. But speaking and, or tools, what a great transition, Sam. Thank you. <laughs> Uh, we don't cheap out on our tools either or maybe we do that's what we're gonna be talking about so um, let me kick the ball off rolling with just something I've been looking at I'm gonna buy tomorrow probably Um, and speaking of not cheaping out I'm gonna buy a set of new whetstones. I've been using a single diamond plate and uh, Arkansas stone and then stropping like and it's gotten me really nice edge but it's time to step up my game so I'm ordering, um, it's a three-pack of Shapton glass stones for 200 bucks. Uh, it's, it's hard to get yourself to, you know, cough up that money, but whatever. I, you know, you got to do it. Hopefully, yeah, that'll be the- a cool tool.
0: Yeah, anything to get your finished piece just, like, that much better, like, especially with a knife. Like you can tell when you get a knife and it's just just screaming sharp, just how much work went into it and that just makes it just yeah. so much just
1: a better experience for everybody for sure and that's what i'm shooting for so yeah can i cough it up the Shapton glass stones are beautiful too i mean that might be some of the allure for me is have you ever seen them i don't think so they're like a thinner white stone but they're super hard so they don't wear very mm-hmm. quickly so you can kind of get away with it's only a five millimeter stone And then it's attached to a glass back so that it always stays, it helps it stay flatter. And, you know, they're just, they're beautiful. They're supposed to be top of the line. Um, And that's the next tool that I've got to buy. But what are you looking into getting next? Well, hmm. that's the thing, because I've been spending a
0: lot of time trying to get just my finished products kind of more consistent all around. And I've been looking into different kind of like mold making and stuff, but I think I'm just going to stick to just throwing because I like the natural look of it. And I'm I'm kind of minimalist when it comes to like my life in general, but when it comes to tools, I always just have a habit of just buying a ton of things. But um, I'm really just thinking about buying like 500 pounds of clay at one time and just telling myself like i'm i have everything that i need i'm just going to do everything that i can with this 500 pounds and just leave it at that because i get get into this this like problem of oh if i just had this you know this this ten dollar tool i could finish my pots like a little bit nicer and you know that's what would really like you know make me stand out when in reality I don't need that. I can perf- make exactly the same thing with just like maybe a little bit more work or maybe just like staying off social media and not, you know, listening to the ads. But, you know, trying not to get into the system of wanting to buy things, thinking that it's going to make my art better when all I really need is to just like sit down and actually do it. But um, that being said, like I said at the beginning of the episode, I did spend two grand on a uh, on a kiln and it's just been an incredible investment because before I would just kind of make a vase or something and just it would just dry out and then I would just like destroy it and you know make another vase with the recycled clay because I just really couldn't do anything with it but you know that ability to make a finished product in its entirety has been incredible and uh, I bought a few months ago in uh, October I bought a bison turning tool which is like the top of the line tungsten carbide turning tools for pottery like in the trimming stage and it takes so long to like process and get here just because he makes them all individually and uh, I don't know if you've ever seen like the process of tungsten carbide tool making but it's really intense so I've been waiting on that for a few months now and I'm excited for that but I'm just trying to stay away from superfluous buying of more tools than that because that's a fair amount of money that I've spent on some pretty high-end things trying to get to that point of, you know,
1: me being able to just like sit down and do my work. Yeah. No, that does sound like a, that does sound like a pile of money. Is that all money that you've made from your business or do you have another job? Oh no. Uh, (laughs) um,
0: My business would be doing really well if that was the case, but I, uh, I work part-time to, you know, fund this, but I've been kind of decreasing my hours focusing on the on the pottery and on the business recently just because I've, you know, from like Christmas orders and stuff, I've had the ability to do that.
1: Yeah. But, yeah. No, that's awesome. Um, So, pottery is interesting because well, I mean, for starters, I don't understand it, but for seconders um it seems like there's not very many tools I mean comparatively at least I mean knife making is incredibly tool heavy and you know you're working well you're working hot steel cold steel wood and other metals so in between all that and you know the the long process that it takes to get the knife to its final form there's a lot of tools that go into this but pottery I mean, my understanding is you need, like, a wire to cut up your clay. You might have something to mix mix up your clay or knead it for you or something like that. And then you you toss it on your wheel and you spin it. Uh, you might have some, like, poking tools or something to make texture. And then you trim it and cook it. And then you paint it, right? Yeah, yeah, pretty much. It's, um... Definitely, I don't
0: think as I don't want to say that it's not too, as into tool intensive as uh, knife making. I just think it's like a very different set of things because your hands play so much into it because like in knife making, you know your hands can only do so much. you know it's kind of a guide, right? yeah, your hand like you can't do
1: any work without a tool
0: right you're 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 guiding it like in the grinder or you know with a hammer or stuff like that. But with pottery, like every single one of your fingers is doing something in the process of uh, like throwing. And that's that's the stage when it's on the wheel wet. And then, you know, you let it dry for a few days and it gets to this consistency called leather hard where the a lot of the moisture has left. And then you use, you know, your turning tools. And I have a few different uh, turning tools, like different loops, if you've seen on my Instagram. All uh, kind of do a different thing. But for the most part, I think just the difference is, you know, in the actual creating process, it's just the hands. Because it's, you know, very, very different. Very, very hand intensive and not tool intensive, I guess.
1: Yeah, there's a lot less tools that you need. Mm -hmm. Although things like, then it makes more sense to be able to buy a kiln, I suppose. Yeah. And and what why is a pottery kiln cheaper than a knife kiln? I think that it gets to well I don't know i I think that a knife kiln what temperature does it get up to for a heat treat um I wonder if it does go all the way into nineteen hundred
0: yeah that's'cause my my I do two different firings and in pottery you do you fire a piece twice there's the first firing called a bisque firing, which gets up to about. 1900 degrees and it gets uh makes it porous and then you take that out and then glaze it and glaze is just basically glass and so you put the um piece back into the kiln and it goes up to whatever your cone fire is and a cone fire is just a set of different temperatures i fired a cone six stoneware so that means that it gets up to about 2300 degrees and it holds it there or it takes about Uh, eight hours, the firing, if I do on a medium setting. And so it just turns the outer layer of the glaze into glass, pretty much. And that's where you get all those really cool colors from. And then it holds it there for a little bit and then drops back down. And I feel like it is weird that a knife kiln would be more expensive, because it's just getting to that temperature, and then you take it out.
1: Mm. It might have
0: something to do with the... I reckon that it has to do something with because you don't open a pottery kiln when it's at its max temperature like it would explode if you did that
1: oh 2200 degrees max temperature
0: yeah 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 i bet it has something to do with that because if you open a pottery kiln
1: all the pieces would explode yeah (laughs) yeah that would be a bit of a disaster yeah pull them out to quench them Yeah. yeah it's kilns are very interesting tools definitely
0: uh terrifying sometimes electricity sure. is uh when it gets that hot it's uh, <laughs> making sure that you're doing everything right can get kind of daunting but yeah it was a, it was a good investment
1: yeah for sure but i mean yeah it's hard to find it's like a reputable knife kiln for under four or three grand as can, mm-hmm. canadian yeah so canadian dollars are a bit more than us dollars i think uh, less but or le- I think we're... Yeah, one or the other. I know it's different. I don't, I don't 75 know cents or so. Yeah. But... Which is nice when I sell knives to the States because people always pay me in US dollars. Yeah. Which is... Uh, I love that conversion rate. But then it sucks oh, when yeah. you have to buy stuff from the States, which is always... Always more expensive. Yeah. No, that is definitely a cool tool. And I assume that's your most expensive tool. Oh, yeah. Um
0: for sure the singular tool that's the most expensive i you know inherited a bunch of woodworking tools and i'm sure that all of those together are more expensive
1: but it with my own money that's easily the most expensive thing that i've bought i'm um, sure i mean that's the most yeah that would be more expensive than anything i've ever bought myself um i guess my most expensive tool has to be my grinder mm-hmm. which i paid a pretty penny for well, that was great because my grandpa bought it and then I paid him back over the course of, I think it took me about six months. Yeah, which was nice. awesome. Because at the time I was talking out my ass, right? And I'm saying, like, <laughs> I'm saying all this stuff. If I only had a 2x72, I could make money making knives and I'd make this into a business. And, you know, well, my knives would be so much better, I'm sure. And even I didn't believe myself. I'm like, oh man, I'm just, I'm making all this up right now. But then I got it. And immediately started making money making knives, so I mean, sometimes sometimes just talking gets you somewhere. Yeah, fake it till you make it. That's always been my strategy. That was how I got through band class from grade six to nine, is I'd just like pretend that I knew how to play it until the concert, when everything would click and I'd play everything right. It was yeah, man, that's what
0: I'm doing with uh, online school right now, for sure which I love cuz it's giving me more time to, you know, try to build my business, but yeah. Yeah, so you guys are still online. How is COVID? Really really bad <laughs> in the in the states. Just just terrible, but um yeah. <laughs> oh, no, that sounds fun. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, we're Oh, no, go ahead. It, it's um Yeah. I, I don't want to get too much into it. It's it's really
1: bad <laughs> over here. But oh, that's too bad. But at least you get there. to work on your stuff more. Oh yeah, that's it seriously has been
0: like the most transform- transformative year of my life just because I've had so much time to really figure out like what I want to do with this business, like what I want to do with it long term. How can I get better really thinking about like, you know, how I consume social media and how I like compare myself to other people and it's just really given me that like buffer that I guess I didn't have before. It's Cause I didn't really start taking this seriously up until like this last summer. Yeah. And that was when it was like, you know, I need this to be something that I can, you know, scale up instead of just something I'm doing, you know, on the weekends. So it really did give me that distance and I'm really thankful for that. But,
1: but yeah i can't agree more actually i've had i've had the same experience um my first sale came in lockdown last year in march and then yeah i managed to work through we've gone through two sort of lockdowns here but never super tight lockdowns but you know pretty sent home lockdowns and yeah it it gives you that space to breathe that uh like separation from school and allows you to focus on yourself and what's important to you and yeah take your business to the next level it's made a huge difference in my life too mm-hmm. um but we're we're getting better here we're like we've dropped it down to a third of where we were this time last month but now the government is you know loosening everything up again which is uh, I, I was reading stuff and, you know, all the doctors are saying if we did seven more weeks, we'd be at zero in the province. And then from there on, we could go back to normal life. But they're opening things up, so we'll just have to do a third wave and then whatever. Mm-hmm. So it's it's a little frustrating, but at the same time, I'm happy to be back and uh, slowly getting back to normalcy. But mm-hmm. it sucks knowing that it won't be permanent.
0: Yeah, it's it's definitely hard because it's like, i don't know it's <laughs> here in the u.s it was like really bad and then it, everyone was like okay as long as you know we stick to it, it'll it it'll get better and a lot of people just did not follow that so it's really just never gone down and i'm i guess technically an essential worker grocery store part-time oh yeah and it's man seeing people like the the how they think about it is very very interesting and it's uh you know, I look at places like New Zealand or Australia that, like, shut down, like, really intensely right at the beginning, like, in
1: March for, like, four weeks. And they're, you know, zero cases. They're living. I know. it's fr- And seven weeks. They're saying seven weeks here. Like, I could do seven weeks. Oh, yeah. Like, Anyone could do seven weeks. It's crazy to think, like, if if everyone
0: in any given country, like, everyone, just really took it seriously in the first three weeks of all of this this would not be a problem, you know? And it's, 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 it's definitely frustrating, but I I am thankful for how things have turned out for me. But I know that, you know, for a lot of people, it hasn't
1: been as, uh, you know,
0: positive, I guess.
1: Been a rough year. Like 2020 was a rough year for a lot of people. Uh, COVID is frustrating, but yeah, it's also, 2020 was actually an excellent year for me. I got to admit Um, but yeah, and I, you know, Oh, go ahead. Oh, sorry. No, I not mean to interrupt. No, I was just going to steer the conversation saying that, um, one of the best things about 2020 was my grinder, which was the most expensive tool I've ever had. And the biggest upgrade I've ever had in my life, you know, other upgrades I've had like the forge, um, propane over my coal forge and things like, well, the power hammer, but honestly, the grinder made a bigger difference in my work. And that's definitely my best like best tool. I don't think I could go back to not having that grinder, you know? And that's yeah. my most important tool. And so I'd be curious to hear what's your favorite... Not your favorite. What's your most important tool that you, now that you have it, you can't go back? I would say my cause, okay
0: with pottery there's like there's like fundamentals right it's you need a wheel you need something to spin it with right you know traditional like japanese pottery it's just a, like a kick wheel which is just basically a big circle that you kick around but i have a little electric re- wheel and that's like the base of all my work right but then what really you know took this to the next level was my ability to fire things and you know put glaze on stuff like that so my kiln was definitely the biggest game changer, I think, in terms of my work. Because but it's being not able the most produce, essential. The, the most essential would definitely be the, the wheel, for sure. Yeah. And uh, pretty much everything bases around that. Like I have my most recent purchases have been like a system uh, that goes on top of my wheel to like remove the pots and stuff called a bat system and you know various different like hand tools for pottery but it all really does base around
1: the pottery wheel yeah all right well if that's so hit your most essential tool and your most uh game-changing tool but what's your favorite tool i mean what tool do you just you you just love it i think i'm gonna have to
0: give that one to my trimming tools and I'm going to put that in one basic category because they're all basically the same thing, but just with different shapes. And a trimming tool is, you know, like I said before, like, you know, you have your clay wet that you throw on the wheel and then it dries out. The moisture leaves it so that when you touch it, it doesn't really deform, but you can still carve it. And so you put your, your uh, pot or vase or whatever it is back onto the wheel and then spin it and then carve it and all of my trimming tools have just been, you know, just incredible. I just absolutely love the process of trimming. It's just like very therapeutic, very meditative, but I'm a, I'm a big fan of those. And I I did, like I said, like spend a lot of money on a tungsten carbide tool that is just going to make it a lot faster because it never needs to be sharpened. Whereas with steel, you know, you need to like keep it sharp for the most part. But, uh, yeah, I just really love the trimming process. So,
1: yeah, it sounds like a lot of fun. But how do you stick the pot to the wheel? So, <laughs> that I I guess that leads into another
0: uh superfluous tool buy that I did is there's this thing that fits on top of my wheel that I'm going to do a video about, I think. And it basically holds it down with like three different clamps and uh just grips it while you spin. Oh, wow. So that was a very very uh good purchase but the traditional way is to get a little bit of water and wet the bottom of it the bottom of the mug or the pot or vase or whatever it is and then you it creates friction as it spins and so it basically welds to the aluminum of the wheel head so you just get a really strong base but you know traditional way i do that a lot but my new tool for trimming really does make it A lot easier and faster so
1: yeah and nice because you don't have to deform your top and bottom eh? Mm -hmm,
0: yeah that's exactly why i got it for because with vases it's so hard to trim because you know you have like a very thin neck and i've broken a bunch of vases by trying to trim them incorrectly so
1: Hmm. so yeah yeah that sounds that sounds nice my favorite tool has to be my anvil i mean anvils are just they're just the coolest thing just beautiful yeah i follow a couple pages that sell vintage anvils just to look at them and so i've got a nice 130 pound peter Wright, and yeah you can see the forging marks and it's in nice condition and yeah i love that tool um although i got a leg vice recently too which is you know another hundred year old leg vice forging marks and i love that too but the anvil beats it I guess second place would be my hand-forged hammer that I bought off Etsy when I, you know, maybe a year into blacksmithing and I wanted a rounding hammer. And that's another beautiful... Yeah, forging tools are definitely the best. Mm -hmm. Um, Forging is the most fun part. Although I'm actually starting to really love grinding as I develop a shorter process. Like, it's really nice to bring a knife from forged to ground, especially quick. I mean... When I had a crappy grinder and it took hours, it was the worst part of the whole process. But now I really, I'm really coming to enjoy it. So yeah, I think I think uh,
0: I think Vintage Toolworks on Instagram might be just the most incredible thing I've ever seen. Oh, it's the all holy the grail. old anvils. Like it's just incredible. Oh, those old like, German anvils. It's just incredible. Like I think my favorite. T- this is kind of. Going off the point, but no, like the, the, the French pig anvil is just, there's just something about it. Really? I don't know what
1: it is. I just love it. It's just incredible. Oh, we're going to have to agree to disagree here. Really? That's my least favorite. I mean, the German, a nice big German double horn. I mean, there's, I love They're like short and squat and they've got that, you know, you got the upsetting block on one mm-hmm. side, might even have a table like they're just they're the best. I I think we could probably agree with the London pattern. It's just like a good old classic, you know? Yeah. I put London pattern in second place for sure.
0: Yeah, yeah. I think I think that's a good all-rounder, but Yeah. I don't know. It's just the French pig anvil like with its with its
1: little legs and the double yeah, that's horns. That's my problem with it. I I can't get behind the legs. You can't get behind the legs. No, I can't. Yeah. I I, I feel that.
0: I don't know. There's something about it. I don't know. I like it.
1: You ever see those ones where the horn kind of comes into the face a little bit? So it yeah. almost, it sort of fades into the face?
0: Yeah, it's kind of. I
1: mean, those are weird. Yeah. But I bet they'd be great for drawing out.
0: There's a lot of really weird looking anvils out there.
1: Oh. You know what I actually really love? Is the old, like the forged Japanese style anvils, where it's just a big block, mm-hmm. but you can tell that the block has been forged and it's got some little, like, feet on the bottom i really want to have one of those in my shop eventually and that's one of the only anvils made for knives
0: yeah i i really really love looking at old japanese tools like with pottery and blacksmithing both because like traditional japanese knife making is just absolutely incredible to watch like i think it's something unique about the japanese mindset around work is that they just put absolutely everything that they possibly can into their work. And, you know, with pottery, like, it just takes so long to produce something that is seemingly so small. And, like, with, a, like, Japanese knife making, this the same thing. Like, oh, yeah. there's so much work.
1: And um, they find the beauty and simplicity more than anybody else. Oh, yeah, for sure. Right? I, simple I, I really perfection. That. Oh, I... I love the Japanese philosophy behind making things more than anything and that's my biggest inspiration in all my work like yeah when I'm done university or at some point I want to go to Japan there's have you ever heard of the Seki knife village? I have not. Well it's it's a village where it's just knife makers and there's a giant shop in the middle oh and my they all gosh. work there and like and apparently men or not people can go there to learn and yeah, I want to go there for you know a couple months and just absorb some, absorb a little bit from there. Cause yeah, they just do everything so so good. Man, that I uh, that sounds incredible. <laughs> yeah, Japanese knives, J- Japanese everything. The Japanese mindset is mm-hmm. just yeah, they've got the best philosophy on things.
0: Yeah, one of my um. Really big uh, pottery inspirations uh, is Florian Gadsby on uh, Instagram, and he spent a few months in Japan with uh, I think his name is Ken Makazuki, and he just the things that they teach over there, like the the traditional style. It's called a shino glaze. It's like basically wood ash that they use, and it's just it's so interesting just watching how they can you know take things from nature.
1: And really put that into their art yeah and it's uh, I, lo- I love oh. it so much what's it called when you take the pot out of the out of the kiln while it's hot and then you roll it in something Whether it's called it a raku raku yeah. r-a-k-u absolutely
0: insane they take it out when it's like max temperature so like i think they do up to like cone nine or ten so like it's like A good 2400 degrees take it out roll it into like wood shavings or horse hair or a straw or something yeah yeah it's it just makes the coolest looking things and especially Uh, because like they have you know their traditional kilns are just you know like wood fired instead of electric so it's 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 incredible to watch
1: oh that's the craziest stuff i love i love all that stuff and yeah, I wanna I wanna go to Japan real bad. I mean, mm-hmm. like even I'll even job, love Japanese food. Even that same philosophy that we've been talking about with their work and that simple perfection and that um, taking your time, like all that's even in their food. I mean, sushi was de- designed to be the perfect one bite. You know? Yeah, it's um. God, I, I get <sighs>
0: too excited about this stuff. Love it. There's this. There's this really. Um, I guess it's a philosophy. This really incredible philosophy called Wabi Sabi. And it's a Japanese idea of like the acceptance of imperfection, I think pretty much. So it's like they really, they they understand uh, that, you know, all art shouldn't be, you know, this perfect straight lines, everything. Like it should incorporate, you know, parts of nature, imperfections, you know, signs from the maker, stuff like that. And I just... Yeah. Just absolutely, like they, they wanted to, you know, emulate nature, right? I, I just love that so much.
1: And I think a lot of that is why the Japanese, like, craft traditions uh, survived so much better than, you know, most of this Western, these Western traditions. Through all the industrial revolutions and whatnot, I mean, there's still a lot of that, that uh, handmade culture in Japan when we were, when we had almost lost it completely. And Mm -hmm. now we're slowly coming into sort of a renaissance of it and catching up to Japan in that aspect. Although apparently theirs is dying out pretty bad. So
0: yeah, it's very interesting, like, and definitely sad seeing all these traditional crafts kind of die away. And I think that that's something that I think about a lot about that this generation of makers that, you know, you see on Instagram, like people our age. Yeah. Like, we're really kind of the next generation of that because you don't really see it as much.
1: For sure. And that's what this podcast is so much about, too, is to shine a light on. I mean, I feel that all the time, for sure, is that us as the next generation, I mean, we're going to be the people making things and passing this on to the generation after us. And so, you know, I don't know how the life, like every documentary or whatever I've watched has said that most young Japanese people don't want to learn this stuff. They want to uh, go to the city. So I don't know about what's going on over there, but over here we're definitely having a renaissance of it. And it's you know the charge was led by people ten years ago, but now we're picking it up. And the you know the Young Makers podcast is here to shine a light on. Um, on I mean us i don't I don't want to sound self righteous here, but this yeah that's kind of why a lot of where this came from is to build that community of us so that in ten years there's a really strong maker community still going strong, so
0: yeah it's definitely definitely something I like i mean it's kind of scary, but also something I like to think about is like you know that we are gonna be the people passing this down and trying to perfect my craft as much as possible you know just to maybe you know set a precedent that like when people like look at my page they're like you know they understand that i'm trying to make something you know as as good as i can make it right instead of because i see a lot of things where you know you find like a quote-unquote handmade thing on instagram or some on um, something like that and it's in reality it's you know made in batches of like several thousand and I feel like the term handmade has just been become kind of meaningless right yeah because you know people want things that are handmade but a lot of times they don't really understand what handmade means so it's yeah it's it's definitely something that I've been trying to understand more and more about and trying to think about what the future of this whole movement is going to be
1: yeah the maker movement it's uh, slowly getting passed down to us. And I don't want to sound like too uh I don't even know what the word would be. Hippy dippy. Like <laughs> I don't I don't want to sound too um I don't know, serious. I don't want I don't want to come off the wrong way, but I truly feel that with all the, making things with my hands, I've found my life's purpose. Mm-hmm. Right? Without straying into the extreme. But I do, and I don't think I could ever do anything else but just try to perfect my craft and make, learn to make as much as I can, as well as I can. And that's, I don't know, I feel, it's some I feel inside me that I can't ever stop now. You know, even, that's why when I would go to school, I just want to go to school to become a better craftsperson. And after school, I want to tour around and, you know, travel to all these countries and all these schools and all these makers and try to soak up a bunch of knowledge spend a year or something traveling around and taking classes and you know just uh, yeah i've i feel that need to just try to make things better and i think that's a lot of kids right now are starting to feel that um yeah i really do and you know i've i have a feeling you feel something like that that That's why you talked about earlier going into the shop every day to just keep getting better. And I definitely don't think about passing it on to the next generation actually, but that's probably mostly because the next generation doesn't exist. So Mm -hmm. it's an abstract idea to me right now, but yeah, this is, it's it's, sorry. I definitely just interrupted you on the end of that. No, I just ranted for a while. I'm going to (laughs) let you go ahead. I, I definitely,
0: I, I definitely get that. Like, I want to or one of my favorite uh, youtubers his name is Nathaniel drew I'm really into like the whole idea of like self-development and stuff like that and that's what he does like finding meaning you know and in, in life pretty much and I really do think that he, he has this quote that I agree with so much and it's something I'm paraphrasing but it's like uh, his idea of success isn't to you know get a bunch of money or become you know really famous it's about growing as an artist and everything else is just kind of superfluous because when you grow as an artist, you know, you're going to gain a following if you really you know, put your stuff out there and growing as an artist is the basis of everything that we do. And I do think that like, you know, finding meaning in this has just helped me so much. Like it's, you know, in this whole lockdown period over the last year, I've just spent so much time in my studio just making things because it just, it's just me in there, you know, me and my hands doing, all these different things and she's been so helpful and i definitely agree with the touring around i'm taking a uh a road trip around the u.s soon and then i'm spending three months in europe traveling around to just everything anything i want to see and that's going to include you know forges and pottery studios and all that kind of thing just because i want to see you know something different different ways that people make things how
1: how old are you I'm 18 right now. Oh, so yeah, it's about time to do that. Yeah. So you're you're a couple of years ahead of me, but I I see where yeah. Yeah, I'm about
0: to graduate in in May, so
1: very excited for that. Yeah, I'm sure it's a good time to do it. So, oh, yeah, sorry. Yeah, keep telling us about the trip though. I want I want to hear all, all your plans so far.
0: Yeah, uh currently my loose plans for the US is to rent some kind of vehicle (laughs) either uh i might just drive my car but i don't know gonna just kind of national park jump all around the u.s because i I really do want to see also you know north america in general so i'm going to go up to canada and maybe into mexico i'm not sure how much time i'm going to have but i would like to definitely go up to canada pacific northwest of the u.s for sure and then in the spring and summer of 2022 kind of taking a gap year situation and I'm just gonna I don't really know what city I'm going to yet but I'm gonna pick a major city right now I'm thinking either London or Lisbon and from there just no itinerary no plans just just go you know that's the that's the plan right now and I'm pretty excited for that but there's definitely some things I want to do like visit A lot of the makers that have inspired me and visit their shops and stuff like that and see all these different things because in europe there's such a beautiful history of blacksmithing and stuff and like you walk around the major cities and you see a lot of things that were hand forged by you know craftsmen from however many years ago and it's just definitely something that's very inspiring i think
1: something i'm going to find a lot of value out of for sure, Uh yeah, I'm super. I'm just sitting here with my jaw dropped, just being jealous. Uh, <laughs> I've got, well, I guess I've got like what two more years before I could do anything like that. But no, man, if you're, if you're, you know, in the, if you in the Great White North, come pay a visit. You know. Man, I
0: would love to. I'm definitely coming up that way at some point.
1: Check out, check out the little giant, hey. Yeah. <laughs> um, but. No, I mean, I think that's a fantastic idea, and I think it's something that any any craftsperson could um, could benefit from just hugely. And that's the the great thing about the community, too, is we're all open to sharing, you know. Um, super great. So then after that, do you plan on going to school or you know, running your business in pottery, or are you planning on being an engineer or something like I... that? S- that's the thing, is like... I've always thought, like,
0: yeah, I'm going to do a business degree and then I'm going to start my own business. But the more and more that I look at it, or, I mean, rather, that's like second idea. The first, the thing that I've always, you know, thought that I was going to do is, you know, go into business and then become, you know, salesperson of some kind. And then I was like, okay, I don't know if I could do that. I'm going to, you know, try to start my own business. And I still want to do that, but I'm kind of rethinking the college situation because I don't want to go to... A college in the u.s in its current state i think because i don't want to spend that amount of money to do something that i could do on my own i guess so i'm going to travel around europe and the u.s and just kind of see different things talk to a bunch of different people and really have a really good understanding of what i'm going to do what my plans are before i jump in and spend a bunch of money So I think at the moment I'm going to uh, go visit a few different uh, pottery schools over in Europe. There's one a little bit outside of London. And it's like a two-year program, and they teach you everything there is to know about studio production. And I would really like to do that. But I'm also looking at like a creative business program because I think the basis of everything that I'm going to do is in building a an online following, because when you see people like Alex Steele, or you know my pot uh, Potter inspiration Flora Gatsby, it's like it's not the the thing that they're producing that is making them the most money. It's their following, you know, the people that they're producing this for, the content. I definitely think that that is something that I need to build up and learn how to do, and it's incredibly difficult. I know that, and it's a really steep thing to do, you know, to build that. But I think that that's going to be an incredibly powerful tool for the future of you know making things in general. So I just want to travel around and see what I can do You know, building my brand for a year or two. And then from there, I'm going to figure it out. I'm trying not to put too much pressure on myself right now just to have everything figured out. Because if yeah. I do that, I'm going to end up getting a job I don't like, not fulfilling this passion to
1: be creative. No I mean, it sounds like you've got the best plan, the best plan out there. um I just actually looked at Florian and Gadsby right now, and he looks great like just all just awesome incredible. stuff actually it looks like your cups well yeah I can, I mean, I can that, see he, the inspiration his YouTube here. videos
0: taught me how to make them so
1: yeah, it's I really respect
0: the 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 quality because he's been working. For so long, I'm like, and you know, you look at his forms and a lot of Potter's forms and they're all, you know, they're very simplistic, but you look at them and you just know like every single piece of it, every dimension, every, like the, how the handle attaches at what angle, everything is just so natural. And they've done it so many times and it's just so like set in and perfect. And like you were talking about earlier, like you want to figure out how to make a knife, you know, in its best possible form before moving on. Yeah. And I
1: just really respect that because it's really difficult to do. So, yeah. Oh, there's so much that goes into making something simple. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Yeah. When it's simple, there's nothing hiding your mistake. Yeah. Yeah. So, no, I mean, I'm excited for you. It sounds like you've got some some super awesome stuff going on in the future here. Um, I'm super excited to see more of your work. And I'm super excited to hopefully have you on the show again sometime in the future. Cause I mean, your oh, yeah. conversation is some of the best. I appreciate that. So, I mean, we're come we're right on the hour mark. We barely talked about tools, which is fine. Cause <laughs> I mean, this episode ended up being so much more than I ever hoped. Um, I'd like to take a second to thank you again for for coming on the show. And yeah, I definitely want to talk to you soon. So. You've just been unbelievably wise and insightful all episode. So I'd like to give you a chance to leave the listeners with some some last um quote or inspirational word or, or um I don't know something silly, you know, le- leave us with some message. <laughs> um I think the message is
0: going to have to be something like no matter what it is that you do, you know, art something, something that you know fills that creative passion is definitely something that I think is uh, valuable in these times because having something that's, that's analog you know something that you're doing with your hands something that's away from like you know the digital landscape something that's tangible like in front of you has been just the most incredible thing for my mental health and I would really anyone that has the opportunity to do so no matter what it is anything to get you to make something, to produce something, is just incredible. So anyone that can, just go for it. Doesn't matter if it's good. The end goal is not, it it doesn't matter. Whatever happens at the end, it has nothing to do with it. It's just about the journey of you know the making process.
1: Wow, man. Probably some of the wisest on the spot wise words that I've asked for <laughs> yet. So thank you for that, and thanks for the good conversation. Thank you, listeners, for all coming in to check out the show. You guys are the best, and you keep this going. So leave a review or a comment. Um, you know, Get notifications for when we go up. Follow at Young Podcast on Instagram. Follow Sam. Uh, you've got a new Instagram handle since last time, don't you?
0: Yes. I was having trouble branding uh, Samuel Smith because it's a very, very white name yeah so uh it's my instagram is uh s underscore claiborne smith and claiborne is spelled c-l-a-i-b-o-r-n-e so s claiborne smith and you'll find everything that i do there so yeah i appreciate you having me on it was a lot of fun and i definitely think a part three would be a great time because i really do enjoy these
1: yeah anytime We'll, we'll make it happen soon i'm sure all the listeners will be excited to listen to that so yes once more thank you guys oh and thank you vsm for making the best belts everybody contact at grit underscore side underscore out grit side out and he will give you all the information you could ever want um so yeah thank you to them thank you to you this has been, and thanks to Craig for running the young, or for running the Makery Network too. Go check out the other shows. I've been listening to Knife Talk, Full Blast, The Handmade Podcast. Um, oh, what's Housework or not Housework? Ha- Work for It Podcast with Brian House and the Art of Craftsmanship Podcast with Dustin and Devin. Those guys, I was listening to them yesterday. They're great. So, everybody, check out The Makery. Thanks, Craig, for running that. Uh, this is Young Makers Podcast coming out every Tuesday, or as close as, to it as I can. I'm really working on consistency. So, until next time, keep making, keep listening. Good night. If you like this show, take a look at our other shows made
0: for makers just like you at www.makery.network.